Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Adrian Bankert, author of Your Hidden Superpower. And if you want to learn how to connect with the best, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with the one, the only, Travis Chapel. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chapel, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. I do want to kind of move into talking a little bit more about you and where you've come from and what you've been able to do in your career, uh, which I find just really fascinating. So can you talk to me about like your coming up years, you know, in terms of let's go like take it way back even before career, junior high, high school, Adrian, like what were you doing at that time? What were you up Mm -hmm. to? Did was all of this stuff that you do now? Was that always important to you? Or is that cultivated later on? You know, as a kid, I really loved inspiration, motivation, speaking, I know you started speaking at a very young age. And um, I like to say my speaking career started with spelling bees in seventh grade. You know, speaking in front of an audience and keeping your composure and being able to think on your toes. Um, I also call my first broadcasting job being in the drive-thru at McDonald's. So my uh, sense of describing my first might be different than you, but... um, I I think everything is a dot that's connected, you know, a kind of a fragment or a facet of the whole. And so as a kid in seventh grade, I was in spelling bees. In eighth grade, I started doing speech contests, yearbook. My grandfather put me in a pageant and my talent, because I didn't believe in myself as a singer, was speech. I always wanted to be able to use the power of words to invoke 
or influence change in individuals and in thought, you know, provoking people to new ways of thinking about things. So it's not a surprise to me that this is happening. And it's not so far away from the goals that I had in broadcasting because television became a dream. I mean, I, I dreamed of it as a child, but it became a reality right after college and in college when I was hosting talk shows for mm. USC. You know, I, I didn't know how I was going to get from A to B, but I just kept on walking through different open doors and kind people. I like to call mentors tour guides to the greatest adventure you'll ever have, life. And so I have had people come along, whether it was my eighth grade civics teacher or it was the college counselor who told me, girl, you better get out of this junior college. You need to transfer somewhere, get your life together, to um, the mentor I have now who's been in my life for 15 years, who gave me the idea to write a book, so or write this particular book. But if you don't have mentors, if you don't have tour guides, then you really are trying to figure out life on your own terms. And I think that life is a lot better when you have somebody who knows the language, sure. you know? How do you deal with advice from people that are all over the spectrum? I find that oftentimes people in search of a mentor will take advice from somebody who maybe shouldn't be a mentor, if that makes sense. And I'm not trying to be harsh in the way that I'm wording mm -hmm. this, but I, I, I would like to hear how you've been able to maybe parse through advice that you've gotten from people who maybe didn't have the results that you wanted and mm -hmm. give more weight to advice from people who maybe did have results that you wanted. Do you have any advice mm -hmm. for people on that? Well, it's interesting the way that you're wording it, lives or a pattern that maybe isn't what I wanted. Because what I have learned is that everyone is a messenger. I mean, I've learned from a janitor. You know what I'm saying? Like they may mm -hmm. not be my everyday mentor who guides sure. me in every step of my path, but I like to say life is like a treasure map. And at different points, you have different guides come in. And those guides can be somebody, again, cleaning the windows and they say something to you and it's a clue to you're getting warmer. Hmm. So I don't dismiss somebody because their life doesn't look like something that I want. I listen for what is a clue that will help me no matter who I am and no matter where I'm going, because, you know, I'm trying to give you a good example and maybe I'll think of one in, in a couple minutes because I don't want to delay the conversation. Yeah. But what I found is, is that a lot of times, especially when I was younger, like starting out in my 20s, I thought that I got into doors because I was that good. Mm. Like, I think that's a lot of us. I think we really believe in ourselves, have a strong sense of self, even if it's fake, <laughs> even if it's like you think you're in love at 16, but you really don't know what love is, but you really are convinced <laughs> yeah. you're in love. You know, it's like nobody can tell you that you are not good because in your teens and early 20s, you just build this tenacity, this youthful ambition that is unshakable because you think you're invincible. Hmm. And the older I've gotten, the more I've realized way back then, I was good, but I wasn't so good that they couldn't go for somebody else who had more experience than me, who was also good. They gave me a shot. It was their kindness that opened the door, not my confidence necessarily. I mean, I think that everybody has a spark. Some are brighter than others. But I've learned that it was somebody willing to give this kid, quote unquote, a shot yeah. because it's still a risk if you're going to give somebody a shot at 
15 or 21 or even 25 and say, you know, I'm going to believe in you because your track record isn't as long. Your reputation hasn't been built the way this other person's has. And, you know, we need all the voices in the room. We need the younger voices. We need the older voices. We need the in-between. We need the, that way we're like not biased. Sure in receiving mentorship. And so somebody's life might not look like mine exactly, but they have the soul connection that I aspire to have. And then somebody else, they might like not know anything about public speaking, but they have a great family and they right. know how to balance work and family. And I want that out of, you know, their education for me. You know, and I have friends that like went to vacation with their parents and they really wanted to go snorkeling, but neither one of their parents was a strong swimmer. So they got to knit together with a family friend and that's the person who took them snorkeling. So I think we just, we, we have to be careful not to dismiss the messenger because mm -hmm. the picture is different than ours, because the wisdom, that truth, that's what's timeless and that's what you want. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you broke that down at the end there into those different segments of your life. And, that, and that's really, I think, where it comes down to is trying to get in touch with people who, like, you're never going to, you know, hardly ever, I shouldn't say never, but you will hardly ever find somebody who every single aspect of their life is exactly what you want for your life. But I do find that there's a lot of people that offer advice that is unfounded because they have no experience in something just be and a lot of times it'll come the hard part is that a lot of times it comes from people that we love uh, because they think that we are doing something that may not be 
most conducive to our future success or whatever it may be. And sometimes we have to be willing to take that advice with a little bit of a grain of salt, realizing that, hey, look, you know, maybe mom and dad, you were great parents. And when it comes to parenting, I'd love to take your advice on this thing. But however, you're not a journalist and this other person that is a journalist is telling me that this might be the, the better path for this particular segment of my life, if that makes sense. I like that you broke that down and, 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 still, and still, still gave a really important caveat of you should definitely still listen to everybody, but maybe the weight with which you take that advice might be a little bit different based on the certain scenario or situation. I want to talk a little bit about your career and how you ended up in this path. So you, you said that you knew you wanted to be on TV and you started doing some things in college for that. Did, did you go to college for that specific degree or was it something that you just kind of found along the way? I went to college and I ended up majoring in communication, which a lot of journalists you know, more, more and more have different degrees than journalism, but I never received a journalism degree. Okay. I took journalism classes, but I wasn't convinced as to what my next steps were going to be after college. So I was really more intrigued with how people communicate and what they're really saying in between the lines and how to have relationships that are in order, because at the end of the day, and I know you understand, and you talk about this all the time, relationships are everything in Mm. business, in life. And so I was really intrigued by that and how to be a better communicator to people of all walks of life because, I mean, and as we've seen now, it was, it was perfect forecasting because now you can get a podcast online about anything under the sun and mm-hmm. there's all these different decisions that you have to make about who you want to listen to and television is now on your phone, in your hand, and it's on a number of different streaming platforms as well as cable and the traditional media is just one of the ways that you can get information. So mm-hmm. I think that more and more communication is still key and relationships are really the foundation for what we do moving forward in any endeavor. Yeah, sure. So in college then or coming out of college, what was your first job that you really felt like, yes, this is what I want to be doing? It was when I was a children's television host right after USC. It was a PBS affiliate in LA and it was speaking to children with homework assignments and just about different things they could do in the city and art. And I had a whole crew and a makeup artist and I would travel around the city and shoot these, you know, beautiful backgrounds and backdrops for this show. Now, mind you, I was only working one day a month and getting paid, you know, not enough to pay my rent, but sure. it was so exciting because it painted a picture of what you do in a real job where you're really working. But it was, it was a yeah. real job, but it was one day a month. Yeah, right. But it, it, it's so powerful once you experience that it's possible, right? Yes. It's just knowing that this, okay, this is actually doable for me. I can, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like that feeling is what's enabled me to continue tackling bigger projects is knowing that, you know, I've proven that it's doable. Like the first dollar that I ever made online with my online business was the most important dollar that I could have made because it taught me that it was possible. Now I just had to keep figuring it out. So where did you go from that initial job then? So then I went to waitressing at an Indonesian restaurant in Manhattan Beach. And then... Beautiful area. It's gorgeous. And it was Balesian food. So I wasn't super suffering, but it was still (laughs) not a lot of money at all. And um, I negotiated my first television news contract while I was working at that restaurant. Amazing. And where was that? It's still in LA? That was in Sacramento. It was right outside my hometown. 
at the NBC affiliate. Yeah, that was that was the beginning of the dream because when I was a kid, I watched that station growing up and my family did. And I was very familiar with all the people I ended up becoming, you know, side by side with on the anchor desk. So so next steps, let's do like 30,000 foot view. And then I want to talk to you about your book. What happened after that, that job that you felt like you felt like was really the beginning is what it seems like for mm-hmm. your career there. What were the next steps and how did it lead to now being, you know, ABC News and Good Morning America and all the other things that you've been able to accomplish? So I stepped from Sacramento to Dallas, Fort Worth, a station um, gen- general manager, a news director, rather, a news director of a station in Dallas contacted me and asked me if I would be willing to move out there. And that was a big leap. You know, Sacramento is the 20th largest market in the country. Dallas is the fifth largest. So great promotion, main anchor job, much more money. It was great, like great opportunity. I'd never lived outside the state of California and it was phenomenal. I loved it there. I could have stayed there forever, but the dream to be on national TV was burning inside of me and pulling me. And I ended up leaving that job to go to LA to be a reporter and a fill-in anchor. Then I was only there a few months really and had a really good talk with the general manager who referred me to ABC Network. And within a few months, I was in New York doing a kind of building from the ground up again because the network level is so different than local news. Once I was in New York, I you go through a series of different parts of this journey, you know, in terms of covering weather and going all over the country. And then at some point they asked me to do entertainment news as an uh, entertainment anchor for Good Morning America weekends. And then I started doing interviews with celebrities and they liked me doing both of those things. And so ever since then, I do a lot of entertainment, but I can also do hard news. I was in Thailand for the rescue of the boys soccer team that was trapped in the cave you know, then I was flown across the country to cover Nipsey Hussle's murder. Then I was wow. flown to San Diego for Comic-Con for an interview with Scarlett Johansson. Then to, this was just last year, uh, flown to Kauai to interview Dwayne Johnson for his movie, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Then flown, I think after that, I might've had a break, but I think I flew out of the country again, maybe to Budapest to interview Will Smith. I think that's what happened. Yeah, you just named like three of my top 10 dream interviews. <laughs> no, I'm curious. I'm curious to know, has there ever been a pinch yourself? Is this real moment for you? Or have is your mindset just so far beyond where you are currently all the time that by the time you actually get the opportunity, you just feel like this is, this is where I deserve to be because of all the work that I've put into this. Or is it still like a, man, I can't believe I'm being flown to Hawaii, all expenses paid to interview one of the most famous people in the entire world. Do you still have those moments now? I think, I don't know that I wouldn't say I deserve it at all. I would say, um, I would say that I belong. You've earned earned the right. I don't even know. I don't, I don't think I would say I've earned it. I just, I think that hard work is only part of it because if hard work was everything, you know, somebody once famously told me, if hard work was all it took to be successful, then every single mother in America would be a billionaire. Yeah, right. And so I just, I don't think of it as an earning or a deserving. I really think of it as I belong. I own the space that I'm in. And because I saw it so long ago, yeah, it feels like home when I get there. 
it doesn't mean I don't have butterflies sometimes. It doesn't mean that I, you know, never have a moment of, oh my goodness, like, let's make sure that I, you know, do this right. There, the interview in Kauai with Dwayne, it was with him and the members of the cast and the director. And it started raining on us during the interview. And the thought, as I'm still endeavoring to keep my composure and ask questions that we're having this great conversation outside on this patio and it's pouring down rain and Roman Reigns is sitting to the right of Dwayne and his shirt is white and it's completely see-through at this point because the <laughs> rain is like, and I'm like, this is going to look really good on camera. And my hair is like starting to start getting weighed down with the amount of water. <laughs> and everybody from the publicity team runs into the hotel and I'm thinking, okay, I don't think they're going to pull the plug on me because they're all covering, you know, they're all ducking for cover. So, cause that's your first thought is they're going to cut my interview short. And I said, Nope, I'm going to keep talking as if it's not happening because I want to get my interview, you know? Yeah, right. And so we keep talking and I wrap exactly at the amount of time they ask us to. And the sun starts to come back out again. It stops raining the cameras stop rolling. Everybody's looking at me laughing like, oh my gosh, you kept going. And Dwayne looks at me and says, it's okay. Your hair looks great. And it was just the sweetest thing because <laughs> yeah. he knew because I'm literally you knew like, that's oh what you're thinking God. the whole time. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I know, I know he know, like, because I'm thinking I'm literally getting drenched out here, but it was just like a sweet moment. I'm like, I hope the microphone still works. I couldn't right. even think about anything else except for I will finish this interview. But yeah. I say that because even with the storm, I knew I belonged there. I knew I was meant to be there. Yeah. And I think that's just something that anybody can benefit from. And I think that's something that the most successful people in the world employ sure. is that they just are fully convinced of that identity and that belonging and that knowing that locates them. So they can't be moved. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, right, right. Even that if they have the, the nerves, you know? <laughs> Right. Well, you have the confidence to take advantage of the opportunity. And I think I think a lot of people think that they would be able to take advantage of an opportunity, but then when it's presented, they haven't built up the confidence to be able to take advantage of the opportunity. And then doing what you did was obviously just a huge, a huge professional move. You know, like you were clearly an experienced an instant Amazing network upgrade. Journalist consider partnering with my BYA. Like, hey, what's a little rain? <laughs> you know, like I'm here to do a job. We're all here for the same reason. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's just keep powering through. What what are a few things? I'm curious to hear your your thoughts on this because I've interviewing people to me has been one of like the most underrated and worth it skill sets that I've ever really developed. And I'm curious to hear what your perspective is on that. How has learning to be a good interviewer maybe helped your interpersonal relationships or your, your ability to connect with anybody on any topic? What lessons have you taken away from your career in interviewing? Well, I actually write about this in the book. I include some of those behind the scenes moments because I believe that it's made me a better person. I think that any career you have, anything you do well professionally can really be used as the fire that purifies you. You know, it, it purifies your motives. It helps hone you and, and make you into a sharper you. I looked up the oldest definition of the word interview once years ago because I was just interested because interviews have changed. You know, a lot of times mm. you're watching them on TV and it feels more like an interrogation than an interview. Yeah, the, the and, whole gotcha type journalism. Yeah, and I, I for me was like, okay, 
does it mean the same thing as it used to? What does that word really mean? And so in the old dictionaries, it's uh, a mutual sight or view. And I thought, I want to see them for who they really are. And I want them to see me for who I really am. Hmm. I don't want to just put out the right answers, a script. Like when I interview people, I have cards with the questions on them, but I never look at them during an interview. I, I endeavor to memorize as many things and then I put them away because I turn interviews into conversations. Yes. So it's for me, if it's not mutual, you know, if there's not this give and take, and, and I don't mean take like take, I mean, if there's not this mutuality and this equity, then it's really just a series of sound bites strung together that anybody could get. But my main job as an interviewer is to make someone feel safe to be themselves, to be authentic. Yeah. And if that's, if that's my goal, then that I've achieved everything. Right. That's one huge thing for me is that I feel that I've always been fairly empathetic, but being an interviewer has enabled me to really peek behind the curtain, like take a, take a look through somebody else's eyes for a second or try to put on the lenses that they see the world. And that to me has only been helpful for, I mean, a variety of things. <laughs> so, so many yeah. things, it's hard, hard to name off all the things that that's helpful for, but the ability to adopt somebody, to adopt somebody else's perspective on how the world operates is I, I think a really crucial to bringing people together, right? And just giving people an understanding of, hey, you know what? If I grew up at the same way, the same circumstances, the same context, the same perspective that you uh, grew up with, then we would probably be very, very close to the same exact person. And we're all just a combination of everything that's been invested into us up to this point. And being able to see that that is something that that you would also be capable of or that you would also probably end up very similar to just if you were born a few streets over or something, I think gives you tremendous perspective into being able to connect with other people and in, in a really genuine way and not something that's, you know, mucked up with all the, the biases and like what we were talking about before the, that type of journalism. So really, really appreciate you answering that. I, I know that we're coming close on time here. So I do want to talk about your book, Your Hidden Superpower. Uh, talk to me. You said that your, one of your mentors suggested that you write it. Can you talk to me about the, the process of from idea in your, in your head into actually implementation and having a book in front of you? Yeah, it, well, it's really something my, my mentor, um, Bill Krause, he was very intentional in coaching me to be empathetic and kind throughout my career. And I'm so grateful for that. It's served me very well. And I was writing down on goal lists every year, like, I am going to write a book, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book. And it never really came to fruition. Mm. And then people would tell me, you should write a book, you should write a book. You know, I was like, finally, in 2018, um, I wrote on my goal list, I'm a published author. And that did something because it was, it was more specific and it was the, it, anybody can write a book, but not everybody is a published author. Sure. And that, I think it made it more real for me, but Bill said, you know, you should write a book on kindness. That's what you should write a book on. And I thought, why? Because there's lots of books on kindness. Why would I need to write a book on it? People know what kindness is. But as I realized what he was saying was, no, you have a totally different perspective on kindness than other people. And two, everybody has a different definition of what kind is. If you take 10 people and you ask them, what does being kind mean to you? They're going to each tell you something different based on their experiences in their life. But what I realized is, and you were talking about empathy, there are very few things that we all agree on. Like if you take everybody on the planet right now and you ask them what they agree on, mm -hmm. the one thing that you cannot argue with 
is kindness. Hmm. It's timeless. It's universal. It's inclusive, no matter what your gender is, no matter what your religion is, no matter what your background is. Everybody remembers the kind nurses, the kind doctors. They hope that their favorite celebrity is a kind person who would stop and sign and you know make, give them an autograph or take a photo with them. Mm-hmm. That's what we all desire to be. And, and really it came about with me having gone on my own personal quest to fulfillment. You know, I'd been thinking about fulfillment my whole life, but I was at this crossroads of what does it really mean for me? And writing this book helps solidify and cement and reveal so many of the things that were fulfilling And Diane von Furstenberg has this quote, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew the kind of woman I wanted to be Hmm. back before she was known for her famous dress. And I decided that it was much more important to become the woman that I always wanted to be than to do ABC of success. And kindness was the identifier. It became more than just a random act or politeness or thoughtfulness or the way that I should conduct business, kindness, it was revealed to me in writing this book, is our true highest best self. It is our identity. And when we make our identity kindness, truly everything else can fall into place in our lives. Yeah, that's amazing. I love so much the emphasis that you put on that. What are some ways that people listening to this would be able to sit down and practically ask themselves that question that you were just saying, which is, who do I want to be rather than what do I want to do? Asking yourself, who do I want to be? Did you, did you maybe go through some form of an exercise or did you, you know, ever sit down and write out, you know, your, a list of your values, the things that govern your life? What, what does that practically look like to figure out who you want to be? Did you ever, I don't know, Travis, have you ever had somebody tell you to just be yourself? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that's, I've heard that for many times uh, over the course of my career in life. And when I would hear it, I didn't really quantify it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, yeah. you, you, you think you know what they're saying, so you go with it, but you don't really know. And so I wrote down, what does just be yourself mean? Hmm. What does being real mean? And I realized that the question really was, who are you? Hmm. So the, I start actually chapter two of the book with the question, if I was to ask you and I'm asking the reader, who are you? What is your answer? Yeah. And a lot of people answer that with what they do because they don't know who they are. Right. They know what they do and what they do is their identity. But I realize that will never satisfy me. What I do cannot satisfy. It doesn't have the, the soul to satisfy me. It doesn't have the depths to satisfy me. So I said, okay, what's the answer to this? And I realized that in so many points of my journey and other people that I've mentored this journey, they lost themselves. They went through an identity crisis. They didn't know who they were anymore. Disappointments in life had knocked them down so much. And this could be somebody with a ton of money and what looks like success on the outside, or it could be somebody who is grinding and trying to figure their life out still. They still had the same question, who am I? And what I said was, even if I don't know who I am at the moment, I know this, I am kind. And if I keep being kind, and if I keep doing kindness as a lifestyle and not just a every once in a while thing, then I can establish who I am and anchor myself in that. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing. So no matter what happens, if, if I just like blow up at my friend and everything is like sideways or a spouse or you know a coworker, how do you get back to your kind identity? 
you remember who you are. I am kind. Now, what's the next thing that you need to do? What, what would a kind person do right now? I, at the end of the book, I talk about generosity and I say, you need to like do this exercise of thinking of yourself as very wealthy. What would a wealthy person do who has all the money and all the time in the world? Because that eliminates your limitation. So then you can think innovatively and creatively about being generous. Same thing with kindness. When the world is negative, and it is, when people in your life are negative, and they can be, who am I in the midst of this storm? Take away all the limitations, just like a wealthy person would, and say, I am kind to all people, universally without prejudice. And once you do that, you can take a step. And once you take that step, it becomes GPS for your life because kindness, I found, will put you in position for different opportunities. You're going to be in a different place if you decide to volunteer at a local shelter, for example, or if you decide to open the door for this particular person, but you don't know that you're going to strike up a conversation with the person you open the door with. So that opens the door for another opportunity. And what I found is in those kindness moments, it's like this metal detector to the treasure at the end of your map that you've been seeking for your whole life. And so that's why kindness is your superpower. It does immeasurably more than you could do just going through the motions or going with the flow or feeling things out. And so I've used kindness as a way to really succeed and give me an edge in a place and a world and a time that isn't always kind. Yeah, I love that. If you're listening to this right now, you guys always know whenever we recommend a book here on the show, I always recommend go pick it up right now. That way you don't uh, just leave it for some other day and then it just never happens. So if you're listening to this, make sure to put, if you're driving, obviously be safe. But if you're listening to this and there's a way that you can just pull up your phone and grab a copy of this book, do it now. It's called Your Hidden Superpower, the kindness that makes you unbeatable at work and connects you with anyone. And you guys know that this is a show all about how to connect with anyone. So if that is something that is that you want to do, which I know that it is, or else you wouldn't be listening to this, then definitely go pick up a copy of Adrian's book, Your Hidden Superpower. Adrian, I, I got to ask you this question because it's one that I ask every guest that has ever come on the show. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important? And why do you believe that? I believe it's who you know, but I really do believe you need to know who you are. You know, mm. it's great to know people and that is definitely a marker. You know, you, what it, you're the average of the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. I don't know who said that, but somebody's taught me that, right? Jim Rohn. Jim, Jim Rohn, thank Jim Rohn you. See, it, yeah. see <laughs> trivia, personal development trivia right now. <laughs> there we go. With, with Travis. And, and so I believe that is true. I, but I think that you attract different people when you know who you are. Because yes. it's not just who you know, but it's who knows you. And if you don't know yourself, then your relationships are going to be really shallow. Even if you have their phone number, so you're true. not going to connect with them as much as you are going to communicate to them or with them. But I think that maintaining those relationships, it really comes down to knowing who you are. And that's the who you know you need to know first. Amazing. Adrian, before we take off here, where would be the best place for people to connect more with you and see more of the stuff that you're putting out? So I'm on Instagram at AB on TV. Uh, we're also on The Unbeatable Kind because I truly believe kindness makes you unbeatable. So you can follow us there on Instagram and on Facebook. And then also yourhiddensuperpower.com is the site for the book. It has all the retailers that carry it, Audible, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and so many more. And you can watch videos. And there's an e-course for the book with content not inside the actual hardcover 
which I'm really proud of because it has practical applications and exercises that you can do to help bring you to your kindness potential and ultimately connect with more people. Amazing. This has been such a fun conversation, Adrian. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're listening to this right now, make sure to go to yourhiddensuperpower.com, pick up a copy of her book, as well as go follow her on Instagram. Guys, connect with her. Let her know that you heard about her here on the show. If you're listening to this right now, screenshot this episode, upload it to your Instagram story, add me at Travis Chapel and Adrian as well, which is at AB on TV. And, uh, and maybe we'll go over there, say what's up in the DMs over there. So uh, yes. make sure to take action on that immediately so you don't forget about it. Adrian, seriously, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been such a fun conversation. I can't wait to connect again in the future, hopefully in person. Yeah, definitely. We love face-to-face. We love all of it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. It'll happen one of these days. All right. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.